welcome to Talking Fußball Extra, the Aufstieg edition. On this episode, we'll talk about the battle for promotion heating up once again, Hanover's new grand plans to build a super team, and a whole lot more. My name is Nick Wiltagen, and this weekend it was my turn to drown my sorrows with a few Parkbeck, lovely beer that is, as my beloved Werder Bremen lost 3-2 against lowly Holstein Kiel. And if that wasn't enough, direct promotion is out of Werder's hands now, as Jasmine Barber's SV Darmstadt thrashed Erzgebirge Hour. So, Jasmine, did you celebrate by uh, drinking some pink gin? No, I did not. I'm kind of finding it hilarious how the pink gin has not been let go yet. I but can't. if we beat... I mean... <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, if we beat Dusseldorf next week, then maybe, just maybe, I will crank some out. Well... Besides Jasmine, I'm also joined by a man who doesn't like the beer that's being served at his club's stadium. It is Mike Krickemeyer. So, Mike, how do you drown your sorrows if you don't like Astra and you are at the Milan tour? No alcohol. Uh, maybe that's the topic we can talk about. I just just come to my mind because we do have the first, or at least officially, first totally alcohol-free drink shop in the football stadium, at least in Germany. So not even alcohol-free beer or whatever. So and it's it's done by the uh, Braun Weisse Kaffee Trinker. So Brown White Coffee Drinkers. That's a supporters club of St. Pauli, and it's not as funny as it sounds because all of them are uh, former alcoholics, and so they need, of course, to stay sober during a game, and that's why they brought up this idea. And now after two or three years of pushing the club they now celebrated the opening on on friday and maybe that's all i want to talk about football to, in this episode <laughs> well we'll see what we'll be talking about in the next segment that is going to be all about the zweite bundesliga after a short break Zweite Bundesliga time, and as you heard there in our intro, neither me or Mike are that keen on talking about the Zweite Bundesliga, really. So let's dispense with the necessities rather quickly. HSV still in the promotion race as they won 4-0 against Ingolstadt. That was an away win. HSV uh, have only conceded 32 goals in 32 games and have actually the best goal difference of all the teams up there. Well done them. They're three points behind Werder and Darmstadt, so still in with a chance for promotion. And I think that's enough about Hamburg. Anyways, Mike, shall we dispense rather quickly of that St. Pauli against Nuremberg match as well? Because that was a match where both sides really needed a win to still stay in that promotion race. And of course, it ended in a draw. And it was quite a bitter evening for St. Pauli, wasn't it? Yeah, correct. Next topic. <laughs> yeah, like you said, if I would do football betting, I would go on that one or two option and it will definitely not be a draw because that won't help anybody. And I think if the, this equalizer from Nuremberg in the 92nd minute, if that would have been scored in, let's say, the 80th or 85th minute, I would still have some money out of that bet because 
one of the teams would have scored another one, but it was just too late. And to be honest, it was, I think, the first shot on target from Nuremberg in that game. And this was, yeah, like you said, really, really bitter. And um, the whole stadium was shouting and singing from the 83rd minute on. They were just, we were just celebrating and so happy that after all these weeks of suffering, we are back in promotion race probably. And then that goal really pulled the plug. So it was silent. And when you saw that moment of the final whistle, 22 players just fell to the ground no one was happy with that result of course and yeah it was just devastating yeah that pretty much means that both of these teams well they're still in with a chance mathematically speaking but you would believe that both of them are out of it uh, i mean dita hacking uh, summed up the season in kicker today saying that well we've played a great season but we just lack that little bit of quality to be up there among the top three so it sounds like that Nuremberg at least are thinking that it won't be going their way going forward and um, well I think both of these teams both San Pauli and Nuremberg have uh, Schalke left in the schedule so um, what they actually would need is to uh, for both of them to beat Schalke uh, in order to have a, a great shot at getting promoted. And, uh, you know, it's, it's quite difficult to see that happening. Well, so now it's my turn to um, talk a little bit about my traumatic experience on the weekend. Um, well, if your weekend is ruined, it's best done on a Sunday or Saturday evening uh you know, when it's the football results ruining the weekend. But for me, it started on, on Friday evening. So, Werder Bremen uh, played against Holstein Kiel. They really got off to a great start, scoring in the first minute, and then they got a VAR penalty. Bit lucky that, because you never know if these VAR decisions of that basement in Cologne is sleeping or not. But then, shortly before the halftime break, Werder Bremen started doing silly things. At first, they didn't clear a corner, even though they had the chance to do so on three or four occasions. That ended up with a Niklas Fulkrug own goal. And then in the second half, Werder were careless at both ends. In front of goal, Fulkrug and Dirk had a couple of great chances to really re-establish that two-goal lead. But in the end, Holstein Kiel got another own goal by Werder. That was forced by Reed, uh, Anthony Jung, getting the ball past Jiri Pavlenka in the goal and Julian Korp who a um, few moments before his goal had really put in a nasty challenge on I think Felix Agu scored the winning goal for Kiel and um, well I mean if I, if I have to sum up the match it's it's disappointing to see Werder Bremen lose in front of such a good crowd at the Weserstadion but the most disappointing thing is probably the manner in which it happened because Werder really never had any sort of good decent answers to how Kiel defended how they pressed and they allowed far too much in front of their own goal so it was really um, a dreadful evening match and uh, what is worse is that Darmstadt then took to the pitch on Saturday evening well going into the match day Darmstadt had a goal difference of plus 17 and was three points behind Werder Bremen Werder Bremen had a goal difference of plus 18 well, that goal difference was reduced to plus 17. So both teams were on equal footing in terms of the goal difference, but Darmstadt was still three points behind Werder Bremen on Saturday evening at half past eight. But then what happened, Jasmine? I thought it might be a difficult game, but I was quickly proven wrong in around 20 minutes in when I found Darmstadt was 3-0 up. 
yeah, a very kind of weird game for anyone who saw it. Mainly because we scored three goals in three minutes. Our just completely looked like how they have for most of the season. Sloppy mistakes, not sure what they're really doing. Firstly, Luke Pfeiffer took advantage of our backline with a beautiful shot. Quickly followed up by Tim Schkarka and Breda Manu and Schkarka to make it 4-0 before the break. And then after halftime, it was a little bit more easy. No one really pressured that much with Matthias von Zach making it five and Toby Kemper making it six just before full time. I think the thing is, especially when you mention goal difference, what's funny is that when I thought our were being tough to beat and then they faced Schalke, and Schalke, I think, won 5-1, I think, was their match, or 5-0. When it's come to goal difference towards the end of this run-in, I keep on saying, well, we've had to play, we still need to play our, we'll match their goal difference because they've already played our. So it was nice to be proven correct this time round. But when it comes to the run-in... I'm a little bit nervous. We have Dusseldorf away next. Obviously, they're still unbeaten under Daniel Toon, but apart from that on top, Darmstadt have only beaten them once in, I think, their whole record. I think, yeah, I went back to 1992, and, yep, there was only one win, which came in 2018. So our record... I don't even think there's any draws. It's all Dusseldorf wins. So Dusseldorf... Being unbeaten and also being our bogey team, I feel there could be drama next week too. And that game is on a Friday night, so as Nick said, you don't ever want it on a Friday. It's better on a Saturday or Sunday. Nope, it's a Friday evening, so I'm pretty sure it'll be my weekend ruined next. (laughs) Well, anyways, if we take a closer look at what the other teams are doing, going forward, St. Pauli are facing Schalke. What you have to know there is that St. Pauli actually had 10 confirmed COVID cases today, Mike, right? Yep. So there was one on Friday, right before the Nuremberg game with Philipp Zierais. And then on Saturday morning, they announced another 10 positive cases, nine players and one person from the staff. So today we had 13 players on the field, 11 of them with a professional contract and the other three I think two from the youth team and one goalkeeper from SFC Köln two <laughs> who might be a test player for next season so it, I, I think the rules are as they are so the DFL will probably do everything that we can do that game on Saturday and I can totally understand that but I doubt that we will have a yeah, competitive team to play there. Well, you have to learn some really high shirt numbers, I take it. Anyways, Werder Bremen are facing our on the road. Goal well, difference. Oh, there's <laughs> goal difference. That's what they should care about. And, well, Nuremberg are out of it. And uh, HSV, they are playing against Hanover at home. Well, Hanover, that's a nice segue because, well, Hanover, they secured uh, their existence in the Bundesliga 2 with a 2-0 win over Karlsruhe, Christoph Dombrowski, the guy who's been given the nod as a head coach at Hanover 96 for the rest of this season, made sure that he'll be out of a job next season, I take it. So, Jasmine, what's been happening at Hanover? 
yeah, a really unexpected drama, I guess. After us mentioning last week or the week before that uh, Stefan Lytle was on the shortlist or rumoured to be on the shortlist at Schalke and maybe Hertha as well. It actually seems like he's going to Hanover for a reported amount of 500,000 euros. I don't think anyone saw that coming. We've discussed earlier in the season about Hanover and Martin Kinn's involvement with the club, or more recently, a lack of investment since he had been clashing with the board. It's a very long and complicated story about business. I can't explain it well enough on this podcast in a short amount of time. Look at his Wikipedia page because it will probably confuse you as well. I mean, a short version of that is that Martin Kind is a is a fervent opponent of the fifty plus one rule. Yeah, and that really hasn't gone down well with the fan base, and the fan base has somehow, well, somehow, well, they have revolted over the years. And wasn't it election like four or five years ago where the fan base actually managed to get several of their candidates onto the board of the club? Yeah which in turn has meant that his powers at the club, at the Niedersachsen Stadion, has, have somehow diminished somewhat. Yeah, and he resigned as his position as CEO, but he's still... No, not CEO. He's still head of the board. He's still head of the board or something, but he resigned as a president or something? Well, you know. Yeah, he, he held like three different titles and he's dropped one because of that clash and he's not really put in much investment in the last few years but they somehow ended up with quite a good squad but this season a complete novice with a coach with Jan Zimmerman but apparently he's had a complete 180 with Hanover apparently making deals for Furtz, Harvard Nielsen and Bielefeld Fabian Kunz who's going to be out of contract in the summer on top of that there's rumours about um, Kiel's Phil Neumann Regen Berg's Bischofkov and ours Nicholas Kuhn, who is on loan from Bayern to our. So, yeah, they are trying to build this super team, it seems. And why? Why suddenly are they pumping loads of money? I won't steal credit for Nick's suggestion. Maybe the league is significantly weaker next year if Damon Schalke or HSV. I'm just putting HSV in there because they mathematically can go to the relegation playoff, not because we believe it. Go on. <laughs> they want uh, it. No, 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 for God's sake, but, no. Um, Hanover 96 uh, could see their chance going up and staying up because the league is significantly weaker than this year. Although I'd argue it was weak last year, but it could be that, you know, the pandemic, COVID drained some finances to do it properly. Or it could be Kim's last hurrah because he is 78. But who knows the reason why? The fact is that they're doing this. And they've also are historically strong against Hamburg. So if that is a defeat for Hamburg, then you know why. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think it's, it's going to be exciting to see how this uh, project is going to evolve. Uh, I mean, I jokingly started referring to them as Hans City, as, as they sort of reminded me of Manchester City, you know, trying to poach all the best players. And I mean, the question that needs to be answered, and we'll, you know, probably have a somewhat of an answer four or five match days into the next season is, have they done their homework? Have they actually managed to, you know, look at the players and put 
you know, player types that do fit together into one team, or have they just gone for the big names? And, uh, you know, Beshikov, he was on the list of several Bundesliga clubs. Yes, we could buy him. Not thinking of how on earth is he going to fit in our team. So that is um, going to be the exciting part of all of this. Anyways, we need to talk about the police. No, not that band that Whiny Sting played in in the 80s. No, no. I mean, we're not talking about Fields of Gold here, but we're talking about the cops, the police, the polizei. What they've been up to with uh, when it comes to Hanover fans, Mike. Yeah, Hanover again. They played Paderborn, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. And uh, then when the fans were brought to the station uh, back to Hanover uh, at Paderborn station, they were, well, they say attacked by the police by irritant gas. And even one of them felt uh, unconscious for a short while. So, of course, the police said this was just reactions, as always, and they are not the one to blame. We know that. Everyone who goes on an away game from time to time knows this story. I mean, German police officers, they always strike me as cool, calm, collected. They want to defuse situations, you know? They give you rather a pat on the back and are in on the joke. That's the type of, you know, when you see that moustache and you see that 8-8 haircut and you just think, yeah, mm-hmm. probably not. I mean, I'm joking, of course. Though. Some of them tend to be rather nasty pieces of work, don't they? Yeah, and, and I think in this special situation, we there is a statement from the Fanhilfe, so the supporters organization from Hanover, and they said that the regional police guys, they were quite calm and friendly, and it was just well, I would say riot police from, from the state police who are really, well, looking for trouble. And uh, yeah, they, they started all that aggression. And now, at least, I think w- what might have come to, the, to public in the last couple of years is that it's not always the fans who are to blame, but sometimes also police is doing something wrong. And I do hope that with this statement from the Fanhilfe, maybe we get another attention to the topic and hopefully there will be some consequences. I doped that there will be consequences, but well, you have always hope. I mean, when you see so many away games that are, or away groups that have been treated poorly by police in Germany, and you see that there have literally been no consequences whatsoever in most cases. You must wonder, I mean, there seemingly two different set of rules for, for the average citizens and police officers that I'm pretty sure about. But one thing that struck me about the uh, Fan Hilfe and uh, what, what they wrote in their statement is the fact that they write that the Federal Police of Germany want to collect more names for their databases. Now, what's that all about? They refer that in regards of the upcoming years in Germany in 2024. Yeah, well, we, we do have that. Uh, was it called in English? It's um, it's a registry of uh, violent football fans or people who've been banned from stadiums. Yeah, or there, there's this. Uh, I, I need to say the German word because it just sounds so funny. It's the Datei Gewalttäter Sport. So a file of violent football, no, violent sport supporters. Yeah, those chess guys and, get mad. <laughs> yeah, throwing horses. Um, <laughs> and, uh, 
they collected <laughs> data, uh, which is from a data security perspective and uh, not, not even to mention GDPR, um, without words, what they did in the last couple of years, uh, they collected so many uh, data from, from people who were just, well, attending a football game and got into some kind of a control by the police on that match day. And in the end, they ended up in that database and it did not matter at all if they were involved in anything. And um, the really, really bad thing is that you are not informed that you are in that database. And if you want to go, for example, on a vacation and you show up at the airport, you present your passport with your family. And the next thing is that the officer tells you, well, your family might be on holiday in the next couple of weeks, but you are not allowed to go there. Because at the same time in that destination where you try to do your vacation, there is a football game and you're not to, uh, allowed to leave the country to attend this football game. Even if you don't want to go to that football game, you just want to go to vacation with your family, ah, they can um, just deny that vacation for you. And uh, there, there are discussions on this huge, huge data file for years and years. And um, they, they even tried to implement a new data file some years ago, but it's still the same shit, just in different shoes. Well, I mean, there was a story at the, I think it was at one year into the pandemic that the, was it the Bavarian police that had a data collection or a file on, on, on violent football supporters that actually had somehow the amount of people on that list had increased as that whilst there were only ghost games going on. Yeah. Which is fantastic. I mean, how can you be violent at it's football? It's the chess guys. Yeah. Online chess. It's it's a very interesting topic, and um, you know your your rights as a football fan, and uh, those you know those registries, uh, they are deeply, deeply, deeply problematic. Uh, I mean, Mike, you you're going on loads and loads of away matches with San Paulo fans. Would you be surprised if your name popped up in such a database, even though you hadn't been, you know, in in any violent confrontation with the police? Yeah, the problem is you can ask the government if your name is in that database. But would you like to inform the government or the police that you are wondering if you are in the database? Or do you think, well, if I'm asking if I'm in, that's the moment at latest where I will end up in that database. So it's a really strange situation. And I personally, I would be surprised, yes, because I was never uh, registered from police officer on an away game. But of course, you can't be sure that they might have your name and address from different sources and it's possible but i was able to go on vacation in the last couple of years so have you tried traveling to the states no not yet well uh we'll find out when you try in the future anyways uh one last thing we've talked about english not being relegated and um jasmine let's do this rather quickly Our went down as they lost to your beloved darmstadt so tell me just really quickly what's gone wrong for our this season why have they suddenly gone down after many years in the Bundesliga 2 now? Okay, trying to do it very quickly. They said it was because the second Liga had increased in competitiveness with Schalke and Bremen coming down and they had one of the least wage structures, value markets of their club. They actually, had, before the season, had the similar market value to Darmstadt, 
just to give an idea, 13 million around 12th and 13th in the league out of 18. But what they didn't say out loud is that at the start of the season, after Schuster went, they hired someone with a really bad rep, Shiplevsky, who had already fallen out with two of his previous clubs at the ripe old age of 33, now making it three clubs out of seven. And yeah, so when he came in, said, I want to play my way, we need to get rid of these players. One was Florian Kruger, who was only 22 at the time. He was probably leaving anyway because he was far too good. But he went to join Bielefeld in the Bundesliga for a million euros. He provided 11 goals and 7 assists last season. And he was also more of a utility attacker, could play both wings and striker. Another more ridiculous decision was the decision to get rid of Philip Testeret, who was 30 at the time. Testeret had been at Auer for three seasons. Loads of goal involvements, both goals and assists. Last season, he had 12 goals and nine assists. They got rid of him. And he went to Sandhausen, by the way, and has 10 goals for them. So to replace the goals... They brought in Karlsruhe Babakar Gay, who's 26 and never had more than six goals or more than 15 games worth of minutes in a season. He got sold in the winter transfer after he only scored two goals. They also brought in Antonio Manse on loan from the Croatian first tier. He had never scored more than seven goals in since 15. 2015-16 and only then it was only 11 goals. He went back to his parent club in winter as well. So the club was left with 29-year-old Ben Zielinski, who didn't get many goals in the past and was mostly used on the wings, especially last season. And 21-22-year-old, I can't remember at the time, Antonio Jonjic, who was also pretty inexperienced. They brought in Osai Awusu from Paderborn, who has probably had the best goals provided in per minute two goals, two assists in 700 minutes, but he has, in 13 match weeks, match days, he has missed three through suspension, both red card and yellow card. So yeah, there's no surprise that our goal with one of the worst goal scoring records and Shiplevsky fell out with everyone and his way didn't work in the second Bundesliga. And then we also had the weird coaching decision The Mark Hensel came in with not his UA for pro license, so Dotchev was actually the head coach, but then that didn't really work, and then they got rid of Hensel after a while, after he didn't win for a long time, even though they just put it down to him getting his pro license, and then Dotchev came in, and it seems just not well run this season. Maybe that's why they went down, and not because other teams were more competitive this time round. Well, there you go. I think that sums it up nicely. We'll be right back at taking a look at the run-in of the Dritte Liga and Regionalliga in part two, so stay tuned for that. Here we go, time. 
time to talk a little bit about the Dritte Liga and the Regionalliga. Well, let's start with the Dritte Liga. Jasmine, uh, we've been talking a little bit about FC Kaiserslautern potentially going up, but uh, hey, since we started doing that... Oh my god, we talked about Osnabrück and they fell apart. They've completely messed it up now. And now Kaiserslautern, since we talked to them, they've had two losses in a row, which puts them on 63 points in third place. Braunschweig now ahead of them on 64 points. And Kaiserslautern only has one game to go, which is really confusing. So um, everyone else only has two games to go, but I think two teams only have one. Um, So Kaiserslautern can only get a maximum of 66 points. Their last game is against Victoria Cohn, who aren't safe just yet from relegation. Braunschweig have Meppen and also Victoria Cohn, so Victoria Cohn have a massive say who's getting promoted and who's facing the relegation playoff, who's facing Dresden in the second league. Well, there you go. And uh, as in terms of relegation, we do know that Havelser, Würzburg are relegated after this weekend to get to München, of course, relegated already due to not being able to, you know, pay their players <laughs> and, you know, go, generally going out of business. Um, so that that's what they did. But in terms of the relegation race, there's the other team on 35 games. It's actually Victoria Berlin. They are on 37 points. And right behind them is Verl on 36 points, with a better goal difference, and only on 34 matches. So that makes the rest of the season rather interesting for pretty much the teams down there. I mean, Duisburg, Victoria, Köln, Halle are still, mathematically speaking, potentially going down, but um, they... The three of them should be fine. It's probably going to come down between Verl and Victoria Berlin. And I think, you know, that the fact that Victoria Berlin only has one match still to go is a massive disadvantage at this stage, which makes that Toguchi München bankruptcy all the more dramatic, doesn't it? Yep. And also, I just forgot to say in the promotion race, Achten Sechzig can still go through relegation playoff as well. Sorry, I forgot them. They still exist. <laughs> that wasn't well, a dig. <laughs> I just forgot They usually tended to be the Munich site with financial troubles, you know. <laughs> Sorry, uh, back to well, anyways, that is uh, that is the Dritte Liga done. Loads, loads, and loads, and loads of excitement to come there. And I mean, I feel sorry for you know Victoria Berlin watching all of the other teams around them play next weekend and not being able to play themselves, and then Kaiserslautern who are in the same situation. Whilst promotion and you know who gets the promotion playoff spot is decided, whilst they you know sit somewhere in the Fritz Walter Stadion not being able to do anything at all. So um, having a team gone bust, we must allow it going forward, is probably what we've learned. Anyways, uh, Mike, Regionalliga time. I mean, the Regionalliga, that, that is where the heart of football still lies. It's the Champions League for amateurs, isn't it? So what's been going on there? Well, for, for the heart of football, I would go even some further leagues down but um okay <laughs> yeah we we still have this funny situation which we talked about already that we do have four new places in league three we have five regionalligas so this year the champions of regionalliga bayern regionalliga südwest and regionalliga west will go up directly and there will be the playoff game between regionalliga nord and regionalliga nordost for none of that 
five leagues the champion is already fixed so we do have some funny match days left in all of these leagues and for the Regionalliga Nord it will probably be the VFB Oldenburg they are six points clear at the moment they have another two games and the team on place two which is Weiche Flensburg they have three games to go so they can do it but probably it will be VFB Oldenburg in the end and they will face probably BFC Dynamo Berlin who are also six points clear and they could have been eight points clear already if they wouldn't have got the equalizer from Union Fürstenwalde 10 minutes before the final whistle so but they have two games to go six points clear so that probably should be it and if you plan to go for the playoff games you should be in the Hohenschönhausen stadium of BFC Dynamo at the 28th of May the second league will take place in Oldenburg on the 4th of June kickoff times to be announced if you plan to go there just drop me a line I will try at least to attend both games if possible I won't I mean my passport is not valid but um <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, I can just uh, shoot in and provide a little bit of historic background here. I mean, uh, probably most of our listeners have heard of uh, BFC Dynamo Berlin. They are that follow-up club to the side that was supported by Erich Mielke, uh, the head of the Stasi in the GDR. The team that basically won 10, was it 10 championships on the trot yeah. in the GDR? Like Bayern. Like Bayern. Different uh, circumstances. Supported <laughs> by referees even more so than Bayern, uh, you would have to say. Um, even more. Even more so than Bayern, uh, yes. And <laughs> probably you've heard about them a little bit at least. Uh, but anyways, VfB Oldenburg, maybe not a name that is as familiar to m many of our listeners, but uh, let me just give you a little bit of background about them. I mean, they've actually spent a few seasons in the Bundesliga 2 before. I think one or two at least, and well, I know it was at least two. I mean, they were promoted to the Bundesliga 2 back when Rudi Assauer actually was their sporting manager, and they were coached by one Wolfgang Zitka, who's now the president of that club. And Rudi Assauer, he, you know, he had left Schalke at, at that point and said he didn't want to do, have anything to do with football anymore, but he recaptured his love of, you know, being a football manager or sporting director at VfB Oldenburg. And at that point, uh, one of the guys in Klaus and Klaus was actually the president of VfB Oldenburg. <laughs> oh my god. And that combo, I mean, it was a magical combo. In the first Bundesliga 2 season they played, they were almost promoted to the Bundesliga. So, I mean, if you want to check out a you know, crazy background story, go for that one. It's, uh, it's really rather entertaining. So that is the Regionalliga Nord and the Regionalliga Nord Ostern. Uh, where shall we continue, Mike? Yeah, we continue with the Regionalliga Bayern. I think we mentioned that uh, not so funny Bayreuth stories uh, last episode where players of them are beaten up. Did we mention that? I'm not sure. No, we didn't. Oh, okay. So then let me mention that. <laughs> uh, they, they celebrated their win against Bayern. And uh, in the night, I think we, we recorded on that evening, so we were not aware of that by then. In the night, they were celebrating in Bayreuth. I'm not sure if it was against Bayern. doesn't matter. And in that night at 3 a.m. in the morning, some players of them were beaten up. I think four of them got to the hospital. Uh, later on and it's not sure that it was football related so maybe 
they just met the wrong guys. I don't know. But it was a very, very bad ending to that, which should be a very happy evening. And um, well, on the next weekend, they lost 4-0 against the last of the table. <laughs> So it might have had a slight impact, basically. Mm-hmm. I, maybe. Uh, but on this weekend, finally, they won again. Uh, they won again in the 88th minute with a free kick. And they were only with nine men on the field at that moment because they got a yellow-red card at the beginning of the second half and another red card 20 minutes before final whistle. So they managed to play... Nil-nil for 20 minutes at least uh, when they were two men down and then one or two minutes before the end they scored the one nil and they celebrated a lot and I hope there were no bad things happening in the celebrations this night. Uh, in the end they are uh, five points clear ahead of Bayern and four matches to go so I hope that Bayreuth will go up to third league. It will be a lovely stadium. It will be uh, very very good supporters group so i'm looking forward to that one if you're interested in classical music isn't isn't that where all the wagner stuff is as well yeah correct but i can't add anything else to that topic so anyways uh let's uh, continue with the regional league Südwest. yeah two leagues left Südwest. Uh, there's a very very uh thrilling race between sv elvesberg and is it SSV Ulm, I think. They have 76, 74 points, two games left, so quite uh, interesting. We do have some outside chances for kickers off and bust, but I doubt that they will be able to get the other two teams. And finally, we do have the Regionalliga West. We also did a special episode on that some weeks ago. Uh, still, Preußen Münster, two points ahead of Rot Weiß Essen. Both teams with two very very easy games left so i assume it will be in the end poison Münster two points clear of rotweiss essen and then you always need to keep in mind that there was this game essen against Münster, which was abandoned in the end due to some idiots throwing fireworks on Münster reserve players uh, or substitute players and it was uh, in the end decided that it will be with three points for Münster, and these three points out of this game probably will decide the promotion race in the end so congratulations to whoever threw that firework yeah, I mean, if Essen would have won that match, there would be four points clear by now and pretty much done and dusted. Jasmine, as you sat there listening to all of these promotion races, and you know some of the backgrounds of, of some of these clubs, I'm sure. Which clubs do you want to see up in the Dritte Liga, if you could pick for yourself? Preußen Münster. I, I like them. And I like them more than Rock by Sesson. That one is probably the only one. Listeners who heard uh, about the winner of the Bayern League, Beirut, their head coach, Tim Roth, is looking to be the new hour coach as well in the Dritte League next season. And also, if ki- actually, I kind of want kickers often back to go up because if Eintracht Frankfurt win the Europa League, Darmstadt win the Zweite Liga or get promoted, and often back get promoted, Hessen will be on fire. <laughs> I think it will just, uh, this part of the country will implode. And I'm I'm kind of up to seeing that. So those two. <laughs> well, I mean, um, I mean, just looking at the table, there are 
two matches still to go in the Regionalliga Südwest. Offenbach are on uh, 70 points with a goal difference of plus 35. Elversberg, as we said, are on 76 with a goal difference of 48. Oh, so well, they would have to, well, I mean, bridging 13 goals well, can be done. Can be tricky, but it can be done. But it means that Elversberg would have to lose both their matches, which are against FSV Frankfurt, who are pretty much a relegation candidate. Yeah. But they're uh, just on the place out of the outside of the relegation places, and uh, they would have to lose their match against Homburg. There you go, and Homburg uh, are right about now. In sixth on, you know, 52 points, far, far behind all of that drama. So it's uh, probably not going to happen. Um, Unlikely. I mean, for me, as, as an oh, old well. football romantic, I would like to see Oldenburg, Bayreuth, yes. Um, I would prefer them to Bayern too, as I don't think we need any more Zweite teams in the Dritte Liga. And yeah, Preußen Münster would be great too. Anyways, Mike... Time to take us ground hopping once again. Where are you going to take us this time around? Yeah, of course, I grab the chance and bring you to Oldenburg today. Whoa. So uh, it's the Marschweg Stadium in Oldenburg. It's the home ground of the VFB Oldenburg, of course. And they do have a very famous club song. Wir sind die Macht vom Marschweg mit dem Geist von Donnerschwee, which, of course, You all understand that. It means we are the power of the Marschweg Stadium, which is led by the or inspired by the spirit of Donnerschwee. So these are these great romantic football songs in Germany, as you all love them. Donnerschwee, is, is it some sort of ointment? It's just a suburb of Oldenburg. It's the, oh, <laughs> I don't even know what Schwee means. So Donner is thunder, of course. And it's, yeah, it's just a suburb of, or a district of Oldenburg. I don't know the meaning of that. <laughs> Nevertheless, Donnerschwe, of course, is their previous ground. So they played there until 1990. And then uh, it, it was a really, really fantastic ground. Uh, 15,000, uh, no track around it. And now they do play in the Marschweg Stadium with a track around it, just 12,000 attendance maximum. And uh, they do play there since beginning of the 90s. And, well, the funny thing about that is that this Marschweg Stadium, as lovely as it is, and I've been there sometimes, um, it won't be allowed to be used in the third league if they will be promoted because of their floodlight is not bright enough for the DFB regulations. So you might think... That shouldn't be a problem. You just switch on another bulb in there and then it should work out fine. No, that's not possible because that stadium is built next to a motorway. And if you put up a brighter floodlight, the drivers will be blinded by the light. I mean, uh, but isn't this... No shit. Isn't this... <laughs> that's the reason. Uh, I mean, if, if you could see my face right about now, you would see bemusement, bewilderment, and shock all in once rolled into um, a facial expression that makes me probably look 80 years older than I actually am. Uh, you know, I'm kind of lost for words on, <laughs> on this sort of idiocy that is going on there. I mean... You know, I mean, Freiburg had a sort of a... Their pitch in the Dreisamstadion 
was not in fulfilling the requirements of was it the width or the length that a pitch should be in the Bundesliga. And they always got an exemption from the DFL and the DFB for that. Couldn't you do the same here? I mean, I mean, I'm sure there are floodlight matches in the Regionalliga as well. Are players in the Regionalliga able to see better than their counterparts in the Dritte Liga at night? It's not why the lines have to be turned up in the Dritte Liga a slight, you know, a few more notches. Yeah, well, you see that you are a very romantic guy, so you just think of the players. But you need, of course, to think of oh, the, the television. Yeah, it's the television. Oh, it's the television. Of course, it is the television. Good thing of the. Uh, so, first of all, okay, you might think that for those floodlight games, you just go to Bremen, which is not that far, and you play in the Visa-Stadion, for example. That would be a solution, and then you can play all the other games at Marschweg in Oldenburg. But at the moment, Uh, the plan is that they play in Wilhelmshaven, which is more or less 60 kilometers away. It wouldn't be shorter to play in Delmenhorst. Yeah, but Delmenhorst, if the floodlight in Oldenburg is not good enough, then Delmenhorst won't be good enough either, I think. <laughs> so uh, I'm surprised that Wilhelmshaven is an option. I would have thought that they need to go to Bremen, but okay. The good thing is that they do plan to build a new stadium near the old Donnerschwe, so in the Donnerschwe district. And uh, the Donnerschwe now, if you plan to visit that, not possible anymore. It's a shopping mall and an office building by now. But again, they do plan a new stadium. It won't be open this year, probably not the next year or the year after. But um, yeah, they, they are planning to do so. And if Oldenburg gets up, that will, of course, increase the pressure on continuing this and going forward with the new ground. And yeah, first of all, of course, they need to be champion in the Regionalliga Nord and then they need to beat BFC Dynamo, which will be hard enough. But follow us next season and you will know how it ends up. <laughs> There you go. Anyways, this was a tremendous amount of fun, guys. Uh, it was therapeutic, really, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Mike, I hope it was for you too. Tell our listeners before I let you go where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work. Yeah, it's Mike Kru on Twitter and better follow the Milan tone. Yes, you should. Jasmine, uh, if one of our listeners wants some advice on pink gin, where can they get hold of you? Uh, you can get hold of me at underscore Jasmine Barber, where on Friday and probably the incoming weekend, I will be riddled with anxiety. You can find me, Nick Wiltagen, at normusings uh, well, you know for the occasional tweet about this or that you can find us on Patreon as well support us there we do have loads and loads and loads of historic content on our Patreon page uh, that's patreon.com forward slash talking foosball next up on this channel are the fantasy boys Flo and James so stay tuned for that